plot twists, we're obsessed with them. In film, life and love, they turn up everywhere. It's that moment in a story where it takes you in an unexpected direction. I'm Tom, comedy and impressions lover. And I'm Fran, super fan of reality TV and rom-coms. And we're from now. And throughout this series, we're going to be interviewing TV and film stars, asking them all about their favourite plot twists, both on and off screen. So expect the unexpected, and hopefully some behind-the-scenes gems that you've never heard before. Contain spoilers. Obviously. Now, when we record these intros, uh, we, we do that at different times of day. Sometimes it might be, you know, after a spot of lunch, we're feeling energised or, you know, we're just closing out the day, about to pour a glass of wine and sit down in front of the telly. But today's intro has been recorded pretty early in the day. <laughs> so neither of us are particularly morning people. Maybe a giveaway of my voice. But this week's guest, all I can say is, She's a pro at the early mornings because it's Lorraine Kelly, the queen of morning TV. What an icon, Fran. Since 1983, she's been a mainstay on morning television. GMTV from 1993 and obviously now her own show, Lorraine in the Mornings. Just incredible. Yeah, Lorraine's face is just synonymous with morning television. And she's the sort of interviewer that you can tell she is just a lovely, down-to-earth person. She's definitely got the Scottish charm about her. And, you you know, the guests that she interviews, it has that feel that they could just be sitting on the sofa in her own home with a cup of tea, having a good old natter, which I think is what makes it such an enjoyable watch. Yeah, she is so relatable, isn't she? Whether she's calming guests on on the couch in the morning, uh, talking about her dogs on Instagram... Yeah, I know. I actually found it quite funny. I was on her Instagram the other day and we're both watching The Mayor of Easttown on Now, which is such a phenomenal series of Kate Winslet. So, you know, it's always there. Me and Lorraine, both presenters, <laughs> both watching Mayor of Easttown. What more do we need? <laughs> <laughs> but I have to say, of all the interviews to go into on your own, Tom, interviewing Lorraine Kelly, that must have been quite intimidating. It really was, actually. I'd say beforehand i was thinking she's going to be lovely and and she absolutely was but it was Mm. also one of the most nerve-wracking because she's done what we're doing to a much higher more pressurized level for over Mm. 30 years so i was going back to present school here but we referenced the dogs i thought let's bring in angus and ruby that's going to disarm the situation and i think it did yeah nothing like throwing in some cute puppiness from the gram And that's exactly what happened. Here's Lorraine Kelly on the Plot Twist podcast. Well, look, Lorraine, thank you. First of all, thank you so much for coming on Plot Twist. I I said a few weeks ago on an episode, I said, it's not what you know, it's who you know. (laughs) And uh, we have a few mutual friends in the podcasting world. And for that, I'm very grateful. So it's great to have you on. Oh, it's Um, lovely to be here. It's great. Nice to be on the other side of it for a change. Yeah, well, exactly. (laughs) But I wanted to dive straight in. I'm sorry to do this up front, but... um, How's Angus doing? Because <laughs> because Rosie's got a new Rosie, your daughter's got a new puppy, yes. Ruby, who's absolutely gorgeous. But how's he taking to it? Well, they haven't actually met yet because Ruby oh. is still so teeny tiny, and she's getting her injections next week. So the meeting is imminent. But what I think we'll have to do is not do it in Angus's territory. Like maybe we'll get them to meet. Like there's a wee field quite near us, just over the bridge, and yeah. maybe we meet there. And then Angus kind of thinks to himself. 
oh, she can come into the house and he maybe invites <laughs> her in. And then also we thought he loves um, pigs, you know, these squeaky pigs that make a noise. So we thought Ruby yeah. could bring him a present. And then if we make <laughs> huge fuss of him, because do you know what? It goes back. I mean, I remember this and it has scarred me. I remember when my little brother was born, I was six years old and I was the most spoiled girl. I was the only <laughs> grandchild. And then this baby arrived and it was like a baby from Central Casting. He was plump with big giant blue eyes and blonde hair. People stopped my mum in the street. I'm not kidding. They stopped her in the street in Glasgow and said, that's the most gorgeous child I've ever seen. And there's me beside her glowering. What about me? <laughs> I absolutely loathed my wee brother for quite some time. We're all right now, but it took a while. <laughs> so we don't want that. We don't want that to happen. No, definitely not. I think a gentle intro is probably the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah just quietly sense. and hopefully hopefully he'll he'll like her and they'll, they'll chase each other about and they'll be pals, so I hope so. I'm glad to hear both, both are doing well They're and fine. look forward to hearing how they, how they get on when they do meet. Um, we got a feature called the Random Question Generator. Now, right. we kind of did this at the beginning when we started the podcast where... It was a chance really just to ask different kinds of questions. Everyone gets asked the same sort yeah, of questions. Yeah. So we thought, how can we do something that's a little bit different? Great. But actually, it's turned out to be quite a nice way to get to know our guests. Hey. So obviously, a lot of people know of you, but do they really know you? So I've got a few things here that, you know, get under the skin a little bit. Okay. So uh, are, are you ready? Absolutely. Okay. So the first one, and these were pulled randomly from a website. <laughs> um what is Lorraine Kelly's guilty pleasure? Guilty pleasure? Um, probably... Aside from Martin Clunes. <laughs> probably watching quite... Well, good rubbish telly. So it would be, you know, like um, below deck uh, reality shows. Yes. Not, I'm, I'm not keen on... I'm really not keen on British reality shows, to be honest, but the American ones like below deck are so ridiculous that you just get drawn in and all those housewives <laughs> that shriek at one another. I don't know where they're from and they're all bonkers. But there's something quite... You know, if you just want to let it wash over you. Also, I have to say, watching golf, believe it or not. Oh, really? Uh -huh, I, know, I don't know anything about golf. I don't know who is doing what to who and why and where but there's something really it's restful relaxing. Uh -huh, but watching, watching golf I do like it as well like if it's in somewhere like St Andrews and I sort of know that you know quite yes. well um, or Carnoustie or somewhere like that um, but I do like to watch golf <laughs> even though I don't know anything <laughs> about it and I can't imagine playing it I just quite like watching that could be a new hobby. Well, be, I don't think I'd be very up. good at it. I don't like a sport where you don't get better. You know, well, yes. you can, but <laughs> yes. you know, you can have yes. a day where everything's really, really good. I mean, my husband will come in and ask you, but you're playing on the same thing with the same people and the same tools, you know, the same clubs and things. How come one day you can be rubbish and the next day you can be really good? I don't understand. Don't understand. Or, or, or like me, just consistently rubbish. But I think just, I'd uh, be consistently rubbish. No, I, I hear you on the reality TV front. I watched a bit of Married at First Night Australia actually this year and I, I, I can't stand it usually. There was um, something really about that. that. Yeah. Do you think it's yeah. a pandemic thing? Do you think it's a... And also it's that thing of if we can't see our friends, we can talk about what telly we're watching because let's be honest, exactly. we're not doing anything else. I mean, I ended up with... Because I phoned my mum virtually every day, but of course she was, she hasn't really been able to do anything. So we ended up <laughs> talking about, so what are you having for your tea? And yeah, what did you yeah. watch in the telly? Because And it's a kind of... It sort of brings you together a wee bit as well, which is, which is quite good, just watching all sorts of... I've been watching so much telly. I mean, I watch so much anyway, and I kid myself on and watching it for work, but oftentimes I'm just watching it. You know, like Steve O'Quinn say, what are you watching that for? Oh, I've got to watch this because some, you know, such and such yes, coming yes, on, but yes. they're not really. <laughs> research, research purposes, Absolutely, of course, of course definitely. Yeah. <laughs> 
the next one I've got is, what's the best holiday you've been on? Oh, by a mile, the best holiday I've been on. And it was something that I've wanted to do forever. I went to Antarctica. Um, oh, wow. Oh, my goodness me, it was amazing. It was, a, I'm a huge, huge fan of Ernest Shackleton. He's my absolute all-time yes. hero, you know, the, the Antarctic explorer. And the this voyage, it was, they called it, it wasn't really a holiday. It was more of a sort of, expedition but obviously you know we had home comforts we were okay we weren't doing it the way Shackleton did it obviously <laughs> nobody could um, but we followed in his footsteps so we went from um, South America right at the bottom of South America near Tierra del Fuego and we crossed the Drake's Passage and uh, we went past we, we went to where the where the ship sank and then we went to Elephant Island and then on oh, to wow. South Georgia South Georgia is one of the most beautiful places I've ever been to interestingly uh, it was the it was one of the places that was first on the the green list where you could go for your holidays. <laughs> but yes, of course, there's, it was, no, yes. there's no direct flight, so you have to go. You would have to somehow get to the Falklands or get to the you know get to the bottom of Argentina and then get to the Falklands and then to to South Georgia. But we did it by ship, and it was just incredible. The pe- I'm a huge fan of penguins I just adore I could watch them all day and I used to just sit down and if you just sat very quietly they'd come over to you and they've no fear at all of, of people you know, absolutely no fear at all and it was just it was magical absolutely magical the best best holiday and uh, Ernest Shackleton's buried on South Georgia so I was able to go and you know get the photograph at his grave paying oh, wow. my respects with the big you have to it's a tradition that you have to have a massive glass of whiskey when you toast he was called the boss <laughs> when you toast the boss and, and it was it was just the best you know for wildlife for for everything you know it was very emotional actually going there yeah, and I, you know which somewhere you've read about all your life since you were a child and you, you've wanted to go um, so I loved what it what he enjoyed and I'd go back oh I know I know I mean it was yeah, for folks that don't know is is he was trying to get across Antarctica the first you know the first crossing sort of on foot across Antarctica um, but didn't make it and the ship was caught in the ice and sank and they had to use the lifeboats to get to South Georgia to get help it was the kind of the way the tides are it was the nearest place they could get to yeah. uh, and the I mean the, the story is, is extraordinary when you think of the equipment that they had back then you know what they might as well have been on the moon because the in fact the moon <laughs> yes. would have been easier because there was there was communication they didn't have any communication at all you just went down you know you went south for years yeah. and then hopefully you came back again but yeah it's remarkable really so that was my best best holiday I loved it that's a great answer <laughs> so what a unique experience amazing wow. I mean I'd go back yeah. tomorrow I'd go back now I'd go back now well, maybe this next one follows on. It's the last one we've got. Um, what is the most beautiful view that you've seen? And take me out of the equation. Wow, I know. Well, I have to do that. That goes without saying ofs. Do you know, it probably was on the way back from South Georgia. I was on top of the ship. It was free- It was obviously a stupid thing to say. It was freezing. Of course, it was freezing. Um, and I, the sun was kind of going down. And all of these little black and white dolphins started playing in the oh, water wow. and I was the only one there because um, it was a very small, small ship anyway and I was sort of, I was just on deck, you know, watching because I just, until uh, South Georgia disappeared, <laughs> I was watching it yeah. and, they st- and they put a show on for me. They, it looked like they'd just gone, oh, you're going away, we'll just do a wee show and they played and played and played until the sun went down and I didn't take a picture and I didn't take a video. I did have my phone but I thought, no, I'm going to just watch this. This is something very, Enjoy very special. So I'm going to just watch this and that was, and it's still in my head. I can see it now. I can see it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. much, no, much better. Yeah, it's much better than any photograph or any video could be. There's something about being in a, in a natural in the moment. habitat. Yeah, yes, in absolutely. The moment. 
Uh, this is the Plot Twist podcast, Lorraine. I've actually introduced a brand new Plot Twist question just for you, right. purely out of my own intrigue. Okay. So we look at plot twists as the notion of the unexpected. Right. And you've interviewed many entertainers, leaders, incredible people. I mean, you had Tim Peake on your podcast yeah. last week. That was a great episode, by the way. But if you had to pick one moment, uh, one interview that over the course of your career that was a standout Ooh. plot twist... Gosh. What might that be? Do you know, for, weirdly, it wasn't a good interview because I was so ridiculously starstruck. Um, Buzz Aldrin, you know, the second man oh, on the wow. moon. I am a complete nerd. You're a space geek. I'm a yes. total geek. I'm, a, I'm beyond a nerd. Uh, <laughs> and, and he came on and I just was, I just couldn't get my head around the fact that this person had been on the moon. And, you know, I just... <laughs> It was just, I couldn't get my head, you know, it was just remarkable. And I just kept thinking, I kept looking at his feet and thinking, they stood on the moon. This is amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, that for me was because, I mean, when I was a kid, I was only 10. And I remember watching the, the moon landings and watching him bouncing about on the moon. So that was extraordinary that, that for, for so many reasons. And also Oprah Winfrey. Talking to Oprah Winfrey oh, was wow. yes, because, you know, when you really admire someone and really admire their work, mm. you just want them to be all that you hope for. And yes. she really was. She was just, oh, really? oh my goodness me. She was kind, um, you know, interesting and interested. She was interested in everything yes, that was going on, yes. you know, and she and she said at the end, she said, oh, that was really, that, that was, really, and I said, thank you uh, for, for the interview. And obviously I was quite, uh, quite nervous <laughs> about interviewing you because you are the queen of, of interviews. And she said, oh, no, no, no. She said, that wasn't an interview. That was just a chat. And I thought that's really oh, nice. That's you know, that, that really is. But, it's a big compliment coming from her. But she was amazing. So down to earth. One of our producers who came is such a fan of hers. I mean, usually I'd, I just go and do these things on my own, but I had to take him with me and he just sat in the corner almost in tears of happiness and I had to say to her I said you know he adores you <laughs> and she was lovely Aww. she went over and said oh hi how are you and he was just, <laughs> I've never said I thought, I thought he was actually going to faint you know <laughs> but that was you know people are people are people can be really nice so when you it's usually though I always find the people that are very successful and happy um, in their own skins and enjoying it you know they're enjoying the experience and it's it's crazy and nuts and bonkers you know all of this crazy fame that they've got which is mad but they've come to terms with it and they and they just get on with it yeah it's good and they've remained it's, it's nice to beings. hear that because yeah. you know when you hear about these big stars and they you know also oh, that person's such a nice guy is such a lovely yeah, person no, it really does there's it, very it warms few. your opinion doesn't it there's very few uh, it tends to be the people as i'm sure you know it tends to be the entourages round about them that are giant yes. pains in the bottom um because they're all <laughs> trying to justify their position and they've got to be Why doing something yeah. and and they can be you know demanding this that and the next thing and then and then you think oh no this is going to be a nightmare because i remember Shakira had a massive entourage and she was a delight couldn't have been nicer could not have been nicer an absolute delight and to everybody I don't just mean she sat down and turned it on when the red light mm. came on the camera she was lovely to everyone to the makeup artist to you know the folks that were putting their microphone on and, and just chatting to her she was great she was really good um, and I think half the time they don't even know what's happening in their name I really do I, I don't think they can though can they there's so much no, going on it's sometimes it's just crazy on, on the contrast of that have you had anyone that's been opposite then in that sense where it's been 
slightly underwhelming. I mean, they say don't meet your heroes. Yeah, I know. And that's one of the, I mean, I always wanted, I'm a huge, ridiculous fan of, of David Bowie and still can't believe that he's not in the world. Um, and I never had a chance to interview him because he didn't do very many interviews, particularly later on. You know, he was, I mean, mm. he was living in New York with his with his wife and his wee daughter, but he was, um, he just kind of, again, he would take he would take his daughter to school, Lexi to school and do all of this and he was normal. But he didn't do that much unless he had to. And, but in a way, I'm quite, I don't know if I'd have been able to cope. I, I really? Oh, gosh, I think I would have passed out. I mean, I've loved him since 1969. So, you know, that, that would have been, yeah, that would have been something very, very special. But no, the only person I found who really was not, well, certainly not to us, wasn't particularly pleasant, was uh, was Kevin Spacey. Uh, he right. just was yeah. not a pleasant person. And, and I sort of... The way that I deal with that sometimes is I sort of try and turn it around and say, oh, you don't particularly enjoy doing interviews. Why is that? Why? You know, and sort of get yeah. them, give them a chance to say, well, actually, I find it really intimidating or I find it really dull or I find it whatever, whatever. But he just, I don't know, it just was a, a really weird vibe. It just was very strange. And he clearly didn't want to be talking to anybody. And in which case, I always think, well, don't then. Don't don't don't, do don't waste your own time and certainly don't waste our time because it's it's not fair you know it's not fair on 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 anyone really and we've all got things to do <laughs> and if you do, and if you really don't like doing this process even though it's probably in their contract you know to to publicise whatever it was mm. I think actually it was House of Cards which was brilliant I loved House of Cards great uh, yeah it was it, it was tremendous I don't know if I can watch it now though <laughs> which is a real yes. shame do you know what I mean yes. and this was before yeah. all the you know allegations were thrown around about uh, Kevin yeah, Spacey but it was just yeah it was disappointing because I loved his work you know so much and for him to be like that was was just a shame you know just a shame well, that's the thing, isn't it? Because, you know, when you're interviewing somebody, I get really, I get so excited about speaking to this person totally. and understanding their story. And, Absolutely. And you know, everybody's you, you, got You story. want that warm rapport. Yeah, so yeah. It's the opposite. It's, I know. It's a shame. It's, it's it is a bit. shame. Yeah. <laughs> um, before I ask you a, a, another Potter's question that we ask week in, week out, you are, and I don't mean to embarrass you, but you are without question the queen of morning television. Oh, I don't know about that. Uh, oh, you are. You are. Um, <laughs> but that almost wasn't the case because, correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, when you were starting out, you were told, and, and told quite directly actually, mm -hmm. that uh, your accent wouldn't work for Yeah, I know. That, that's very true. And that was by the boss of BBC Scotland. It wasn't like it was, you know, somebody down oh, south. Wow, right or, at the top. Yeah, I know. It was like, but it, it was the early 80s. And, you know, I was working for, I'd, been, I'd left school and gone to work in local newspapers. And after working in my local newspaper, I got a job at the BBC because I just pestered them until I got a job. <laughs> uh, and... Yeah, I was doing what I thought I was doing all right. I was working as a researcher and they used to always send me out to do Vox Pops, you know, to talk to the public for the funny bit at the end of the news. Um, yeah. And I and I knew there was a job going as a reporter and that's really what I wanted to do. And that's all I wanted to do. So when he called me into his office, I thought I was getting the job, but I wasn't. <laughs> I, was, I was told it was never, ever going to happen. But like these things can often do. Um, that day I heard there was a job going at TVAM as a reporter. And I probably wouldn't have had the nerve to apply for that had I hadn't been told that there wasn't a future for me at the BBC, certainly not on screen anyway. Uh, so I applied for the job at TVAM and I got it. So I was a Scottish so correspondent did, did, for do you, years. Do you think that feedback almost sort of stoked the fire a little bit? And then, yeah, well, I'm going to prove did. you wrong. It did. And when you're young, um, I think it's wonderful That's because amazing. you can do things like I picked the phone up and spoke to the boss of TVAM and said, you know, I'm your woman, you have to give me an interview, which I do not think for a nanosecond I'd be able to do now. You know, I couldn't phone up the boss of some TV station and say, give me that job, you know. I just couldn't. 
I must look, looking back now, I must have, uh, those sort of moments. I mean, because I think the way you mentioned Oprah Winfrey, she had the same experience, I believe, earlier on in yeah. her career. And, yep. uh, you know, Michael Jordan didn't make his high school basketball team. You have these sort of stories <laughs> and how people respond and react. Uh, it must be quite satisfying looking back now. I guess. I, I mean, it, it was um, my career was never kind of planned in any way. I mean, apart from applying for the job at TVAM, but I was working as a correspondent in Scotland for about f- three, four years. And it was the best job. I mean, it's hard sometimes because you had to cover you know, really, really tough news stories like the Piper Alpha oil rig disaster, which was terrible, and Lockerbie disaster, and there was a lot of prison riots Mm. then and a lot of pretty, you know, pretty bad stories. As well as that, though, I got to travel all over Scotland. I've been to just about every island there is um, to do lovely pieces and interesting, you know, sort of human interest type pieces, and that that was great too. But I had no desire at all to sit on the sofa, to sit on that pink sofa with big hair and, you know, clothes that were like Dolly Mixture's clothes because our, our boss at that time loved colour. You had to wear colour all the time. You had to be you know, bright primary <laughs> colours like, like children's telly. Um, but, it, but it worked, you know, it really, TVM really did work. It was it was great fun. But that just happened by by accident. And I was lucky enough to find that I'd found a show that I really enjoyed doing. And it suited me. It suited me to be able to be slightly less formal, you know, while still doing the news, but doing it in a slightly less formal way. I mean, it's very accepted now, but back in the 80s, that was very different. Nobody did it like that, you know, the way Breakfast Telly did. So mm. that was it, it was good and it suited me and, and still does, obviously. Well, I was thinking about that because I, I think part of your success and why you've been able to sort of maintain that consistency is that you are so you, you do come across uh, so real, so authentic and and, and relatable. Um what, what do you do to keep grounded? Is, is there anything that... Oh, gosh. You know, I, something? I honestly live a very normal, some might even say boring life. <laughs> you know, there's just me, me and my husband and, and our wee dog and obviously my, my daughter's back home from Singapore now, which is lovely. But yeah, I think I've still got pals from school and I think that's awful important. Most of my friends are either from school or friends that I've made, you know, when I, just growing up, you know, a lot of friends of Steve's when I started going out with him, I'll be back in the 80s and... That keeps you... And also my family, if I started acting like Mariah Carey, I would get a slap, you know? There's no way that they would put up with it. They'd just be like, who do you think you are? <laughs> so that's good. Um, and I don't really consider myself... I always think of myself as I'm sort of on the outside with my nose up against the window pane, and everybody's kind of, yes. you know, all the, all the celebs are having a party and I'm just kind of looking at them. Um, and I do have pals that are on... You know, most of my friends, uh, I guess, it's... You know, they're on the show, like Dr Hillary and uh, obviously yeah, Mark. Yeah. And, and, you know, and Rhea and people like that who've been on the show for years and years and Ross over in LA, they, they've become very close friends because uh, we're working together all the time, you know, and that's that's fantastic. We've been working together for ages and a lot of the crew as well have been with me for ages in the production team, uh, which makes it easier, makes it a lot, a lot easier to, to do. But yeah, it's, I, think it's, I think it's really that. Although I have to say one of the things that I really, and more and more as, uh, as time goes on, is I'm so glad that I didn't have social media when I was was growing up because yes. it really is toxic. I mean, you cannot say anything now. I mean, I'll just do, you know, just a wee funny throwaway remark that you don't think anything of and you are, you know, lambasted. Oh, it's everywhere. And it's like, oh, okay. And also I find quite disheartening is that 
if say two people have a, a tweet and they don't particularly like you, and that's fine. Nobody's not everybody's going to like you, of course or not. Or they didn't like what you said, or they didn't like what you wore, or whatever. Then that becomes a story, you know. They say, <laughs> always makes me laugh when I see a magazine, a Twitter storm, you know. And it was somebody sitting in their underpants with no followers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> come on, of, you know, doing like this. And you just you do have to ignore it though. And um, and I always think to myself, the thing that if ever I'm getting it, I, I usually just mute people or I try to ignore it. Is I always think, you know, Captain Sir Tom got trolled. That wonderful man. I mean, his family kept it away from him. But he, I mean, for goodness sake, if people can be horrible about a hero like that, you know, a, a man who at 100 years old raised like almost £40 million pounds on his own, um, if they can be horrible about him, then really you've you just got to ignore it. You've just got to. Yeah, there's a very dark side to social media. There is, there. and there's a great, listen, it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful tool that can do amazing things. It can affect social change. It can it can change corrupt Absolutely. regimes. It can do wonderful things. But yeah, there is, it's just, it got out of control, you know, before people could put um, limits on it. And there has to be a way that we've got to stop people saying things, about, particularly to young people, that, as we know, has ended in, in, in tragedy sometimes, you know, with, with young kids taking their own lives or attempting to. And that's not acceptable. I mean, to really do something about that and, and they've got the tech you know they have so they must be able yeah, to do absolutely. it definitely you, you mentioned talking about younger people and, uh, and when you start out with your career do you think it's harder for people to come into the industry now because yeah, I do. a lot of people can come in and especially like youtubers and like your friend Piers Morgan as an example they're quite um larger than life yes. they're quite brash yeah uh, your, and you mentioned your approach is quite unique. Do you think it's harder mm. then for people to come in and, and still be authentic to who they are? I think it's harder for people from a background like mine. I really do. You know, I was from uh, the east end of Glasgow, from the Gorbals um, and from Bridgeton in Glasgow. And, you know, no... None of my family were at university. We didn't have any contacts in the world or anything like that. We're just very ordinary family. Um, you know, but I had a, a desire and a passion to do what I'm doing. And I, and I was lucky that I got a job in my local newspaper. I should have gone to uni, but I got a job in my local newspaper and I went for that. You know, that was another one of those uh, moments, you know, where, where you decide what Same to do with your life. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And my family were fantastic. My mum and dad, you know, really urged us, not pushed us, they didn't push us, but they allowed us to, you know, what they said to us was, you can do whatever you like. You can do whatever you like, you just go for it. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't matter. I try. They were very much like that. Um, but they were very young. My mum and dad very young when he had me. So it's kind of like a different generation in a way. They're closer to me, and you know, to, to my generation, funnily enough, because they were only teenagers. But yeah, I think it'd be much, I think it's much more difficult for working class, young working class men and women to make it in the media generally. I do. It's, it's it's really interesting you say that. We had Russell Kane on last week, and he was saying how, with his dad, it was the opportunities in the outside world were almost limited because it's yeah. like you're either going to get a trade or you're going to work in a shop, mm. and that was kind of the that, that was the imagination that had been passed on from that mm. previous generation. So. That must. Be, I mean, it's amazing that your parents would be so supportive. Oh, they were. They were, they were incredible. I mean, my ambitious. dad. My dad bought me a telescope when I was five, um, and my, you know, really, I mean, saved up. You know, he worked great with a grafter. He worked overtime, weekends, just to provide for for me and my brother and to give us the best future. Always had books in the house. Taught me to read and write before I went to primary school, but not in a pushy sort of like helicoptery parent way. You know, it wasn't like that at all. It was just that he. You know, your eyes, he I guess. yeah, and he was very very young when you know obviously my mum and dad when they got married and had me they were 
kids they were 17 um, and he really should have gone to uni but back then it was not possible if you didn't have money um, so for him it was all about opening your eyes to the world and, and having a go and I always think that I don't ever want to look back and say do you know what I wish I'd done that you know, there's only a few times where I've thought, ah, I should have done that, or I should have taken advantage of that, and and I didn't, and I wish I had. So you don't want to be, you don't want that, you don't want that, that to happen to you. Did that did that kick off the love of astrology? Oh, astronomy, astronomy <laughs> definitely sorry. astronomy. Astronomy. Okay. astronomy. Well, I'm not really into that at all, unless it's nice. No astronomy. <laughs> <laughs> no, astronomy. Yeah, very much so, very much so. That got me very geeky. And, um, you know, that, I, and, I, and I loved it and still do. I mean, one of the best things that ever happened to me when I turned 60 a couple of years ago, uh, my team, the present from my, my wonderful, wonderful team was that they organised for me to do one of these um, zero gravity flights. Oh, uh, wow. oh, my gosh. Now, if you ever get a chance to do that, it is just... I felt like a toddler. I was so excited. It was wonderful. I know they call it the vomit comet, but I didn't thank the Lord. Um, it was fine. I was okay. But that was that was amazing. I mean, I was just like a I was just like a child. You know, I couldn't believe my, my luck. I mean, it's extraordinary. It's the nearest. It's the nearest you'll get to being in space without being in space. You know that that's the thing. So it was just great. I absolutely loved it. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a total geek. A total geek. I went to NASA and had a little bit of astronaut training, which was, uh, oh, yes. it was amazing. It was just fantastic. I'd, oh, I'd love to go up. I really would. It would be, well, it'd be something, wouldn't it? It would be something. Because I think it profoundly changes you. That was one thing, you know, talking to like Tim Peake um, yes. and, and, you know, any astronauts that, that I've spoken to, you know, including Buzz Aldrin, was it changes you fundamentally when you look out of the window and you see this fragile earth, beautiful, beautiful earth with no borders. You know, you can't see any borders that have been created by by men over the years or by human beings over the years. Um, you just see this wee fragile ball in space and it changes you completely. You know, you, it really does. Profound. It really is. And, and it would change you totally because you suddenly realise how fragile we are and also we are all in this together and we've got to get our act together and start uniting and not fragmenting and not fighting each other. So, you know, it's it's. I think that's why I find astronauts so fascinating. Some of them are very matter of fact, you know, especially if they've been trained as, you know, like um, test pilots Regimented, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But they still, there still is that side as well that you have to think deeply about things for sure. Well, I, I listened to the Tim Peake episode last night. I'd say that's, that's got a uh, he has got a different touch to him, really. Yeah, so it was really, it was both insightful but very charming at the same time. Um, just just before we we come on to what if and uh, the podcast you're doing with with Rosie, which is which is which is brilliant, by the way. Um, I, I do want to ask you, so your the main sort of plot twist question. Sure. We may have already covered it, but if there was in your life or in your career a standout plot twist moment. Do you know, um, obviously being told that I wouldn't make it in telly, that was one of them. I guess the other one was when I went off to have uh, my daughter, and obviously I'm freelance, so I had my Rosie in the June and I was supposed to be coming back to work a couple of months later in September um, when I worked for GMTV. And they basically said, we're not going to renew your contract. We've got someone else. Uh, thanks. Um, and that was a real Quite shock. Brutal. That was a real shock because, you know, I just had this tiny baby and we just moved house and we had this big mortgage and it was you know I had to get sort of you know put her under one arm and put my 
it's showreel as it was then on a VHS um, and go around all the TV stations and say, hello, I'm available. Um, and, and then it was really interesting because that was sort of like the September that I was supposed to have gone back to work. And then in the October, so I had like about a month of, you know, frantic, frantically thinking, not being able to sleep at night, thinking what are we going to do? Um, and then I got, they got back to me to say, oh, a mum and baby company had been in touch with GMTV and they wanted to do a, a, a paid for sort of twice a week little show, you know, for half an hour. Um, and would I do, they'd only, they'd only sponsor it if I did it. And that was oh, wow. made back in again. And then that went so well that they said to me, you can have your own show if you want. And I'm like, oh, of course. So from that being told, that was it. And I thought I'll never work again. I ended up, you know, she was born in the June. I ended up in the January starting off doing my own show and I wasn't getting up at three in the morning to start at six. You know, I was getting up at sort of like <laughs> five to start at like eight o'clock or half eight. You know, the time slots changed a few, you know, a few times over the years. So that was, it just worked out so well. And you never know. And at that time, if you told me, look, see, by January, everything's going to be fine. I wouldn't have believed you. I, I wouldn't have believed you. So you just never know when you're at your lowest or when you think oh I don't know what I'm going to do here you know things can change and, and sometimes it's meant to be Got to hold out hope yeah you know, sometimes I mean that's Absolutely. that's fairly you know that's fairly not trivial but you know it was it was obviously very upsetting at the time but of course it turned out alright and it was it was okay but you know sometimes you have to go through things in order to appreciate what you've got because that yeah, absolutely. Has, that oh, has made me yeah that. it's made yes. me never take things for granted yeah. I don't take what I do for granted I don't expect it to last forever I am very grateful for you know for the experience of doing that job because I love it every day is different and you never ever know what's going to happen yes. you really don't <laughs> you have no idea what's going to happen from day to day <laughs> uh, but that's good you know that that's good. I learn something new every single day you have to you always are and even if it's just something silly it doesn't matter it's, you, you, you just keep it's the curiosity thing I'm very I think in order yes, to do this you've yes. got to be very curious some may Definitely. say nosy yes. but I will say curious <laughs> yeah no I completely agree with that and I think if you can get up in the morning and love your job oh I'm so uh, lucky you know, so that, lucky that, that's, that's what a difference that makes absolutely it really does absolutely um, let's talk about your podcast okay. what's called What If you're doing it with your daughter Rosie I mean, this must be lovely for you because I was thinking about this way you're doing live TV and you're obviously, like as I alluded to earlier, you're interviewing a lot of people. Yeah. But you might be getting, I'm guessing, five, seven minutes and you've got yeah. to try and build oh, a rapport. You've, you've got I to know. get in those questions to get the sort of, the you know, the, the, the key yeah. answers yeah. that you need. Um, whereas now you're doing it with your daughter, but also you're getting, you know, an hour, yeah, it's brilliant. Hour I know. Do you know you, you're so right, and that's exactly um, one of the very few frustrations about what I do in the morning is, yeah, the the interviews are short. You know, I mean, eight minutes is considered to be a really long interview. Yeah. Uh, so this has been an absolute joy to talk to people, and we both. I mean, it was Rosie's idea to do a podcast when she was in Singapore, um, and then she came home, and obviously all of the world stopped, <laughs> essentially. <Yes>. So <laughs> we we got some ideas together, and we thought this is such a great it's just it's such a great way just to talk to people and and like you um and exactly what you're doing to find out a little bit more about them in a way that maybe a, a straightforward just interview wouldn't get you know if you ask these yeah. questions so it was really that and it's been a joy it's been a joy we've very been very 
sort of adamant in the fact that we wanted to talk to people who had obviously great stories to tell, but also that we liked and that we knew would enjoy it. Um, because there's no point in, in asking someone if they're not going to have any... That everybody just wants to have a good time and a good chat and, and all of that. And it's been great. And the response has been lovely. And it's been brilliant doing it with Rosie because she's got such... You know, she comes at it from a different perspective, from a different age group. And she's got really interesting questions. <laughs> and well, I loved it when you were talking to Tim Peake. And she says, because you, know, you were talking about the experience of go, you know, going into space. But then she says, well, what if you get there and you don't like it? I know. You know? <laughs> I know. I've never thought about that. Cause, and he laughed and he said, do you know what? He said, absolutely. There was a cosmonaut or something that went up there and was sick the whole time and just wanted yeah. to go home. So I guess it does uh, It does happen. But no, it's been an absolute joy. And everybody's been so lovely to talk to. And such a, a wide range, you know, of people, you know, from Gokwan to, 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 to Tim Peake, yeah. you know, to, to <laughs> Judge Rinder, um, Marion yeah. Keys, I mean, you know, all sorts of people and Craig David, who we both adore. Um, so it's been, yeah, it's been lovely. It's been lovely. I've really, really enjoyed, That's really a, enjoyed it's a great doing mix it. It's in good there. fun. You'll notice that any chance I can say plot twist, I will. Um, <laughs> What, what, what I found interesting, you learnt Russian in school. I did, I did. Uh, that was me being just, you know, contrary Mary. Um, I was also obviously very, I was always very interested in, in the, the Soviet Union as it was then. Um, yeah. And I, I went on a school trip there um, and had to give a speech in Russian and I was only 14. Really? <gasps> That was the most scary thing I've ever done. Very, very scary. Um, but yeah, I loved it. Of course, I've forgotten it all now. Although having said that, many years ago, I was in a vodka bar in New York um, and I had, mm, I've lost count of the vodkas that I had. And apparently I was, my friend said to me, I had no idea you were so fluent in Russian. And I said, neither did I. <laughs> apparently I was chatting away with everybody, chatting to the barman, chatting to all the waiters, chatting to all the people there and thinking this was great. And it was, I, I, I loved, I'd love to get it back actually because I, I should really have kept it up but um, yeah there was only two of us studied Russian out of a school of our school was huge there's about 1,200 pupils in it so yeah there was only only two pupils studied Russian so we got you know, almost like one-on-one -on -one, uh, tutorial. So it was very good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it really was. And that's oh, what that's I would amazing. have gone. I'd have gone to university to do English and Russian. That would have been my, my degree. And wow, that would have been a complete, talk about plot twists. That would have been a completely yeah. different life, wouldn't it? Who knows? Who knows what, what I would have done? It would have, have helped no being an astronaut as well. It would have helped being an astronaut, which of course is what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I remember going to the careers officer and saying, you've got to, you know, this school in the East End of Glasgow. And I'm like, so I want to be an astronaut. And if I can't be an astronaut, I want to be a fighter pilot with the RDF. And they just looked at me and went, you know, no, there's, that's never going to happen because it was the 70s. It was the 70s. So it wasn't going to happen. And now, of course, we've got women flying in the red arrows. It's like, hurrah. We've come a long yeah, way. It's come a long way. <laughs> just, uh, just playing a bit of role reversal. I just thought if I was to do your job for a week, yeah. uh, let's say you took a week off and they said, right, we're going to draft Tom in. Yep. I mean, it's, it's not going to happen. But if oh, they I did, don't know. you know, it's a good idea. Uh, what would be your crash course advice to um, be you? The first thing I would say is listen. I know that sounds so obvious it's not true, but I would always say listen to the person. You're having a conversation. Your job is to make them feel really relaxed and it's not about you. I would always say that to a presenter. Yes. Don't think this is about you because it's not. Um, it's about whoever it, whoever it is you're talking to. And also don't write down your questions. Have bullet points. Have little bullet points and just go with the flow. Go with the flow and don't stress too much about, you know, coming out on time because you'll be fine. You'll, 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 you'll sort that out. That will come with experience. And don't expect to be great the first show that you do because, I mean, I don't know the first show that I ever did. I, I, wouldn't, I, I can't even 
begin to tell you how rubbish I was. It was an hour long show and I think I'd used up all the material in the first half hour because I just spoke so quickly because I was so nervous. Um, so again, thank goodness there was no Twitter and I would have been destroyed. So yeah, just but I just think listen, be yourself and go with the flow but and, and, and always remember that it's all about the person you're talking to. That'd be my crash yeah, course. I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> and do yeah. your homework. Always do your homework. I do my homework oh, every I, I night. I do that. I do, yeah, yeah. I you've got it. to, yeah. Tom. You've got to do it. Otherwise, yeah. and it doesn't matter if you're talking to somebody for an hour or or ten minutes or eight minutes. You've got to do the work, or it's not. Or it, you you can do the interview, but it's going to be not very good. So you have to make sure that you've you've got so you know what direction it can go in. Yeah. Well, I'm covered in that front, so that's a, that's a good start. But, um, uh, just just one final sure. plot twist question before we close. This one's centred more around people. Has there been a, an unexpected force behind the scenes for you that's been particularly supportive? I think, to be honest with you, probably my husband is really good. He... He sort of gets it because he's a cameraman, so he understands, you know, the the, the sort of the demands, the if you like, yeah. and the, the highs and the lows of the job. He completely gets that, you know, the sort of running to stay still sometimes and also is very good at getting me not to get my knickers in a twist about things you know <laughs> he's very good at just going aha right tell me what you're worried about and then he goes really is that is that it and you go oh right enough yeah so he's very good at that and very good at supporting me and also really good at helping me make big decisions as well he's very good at sort of being you know very clear um, and say, right, well, if you do that, this might happen. If you do that, that might happen. Whereas I, I'm very emotional about... You know, I'm, I make decisions mm, based oh gosh, on emotions. Same. I think lots of people do. But he's very dispassionate about stuff and I think that's very important. But And, and also, he, he just makes me laugh. He just makes me laugh. That always helps. Even after always all this helps. time, he makes yeah. me laugh. So, so he's got an understanding of what it goes on, but he's not interested in it. Like, I mean, nothing would horrify <laughs> him more than if I said to him, right, you have to be on the show tomorrow, he would be absolutely... He's never done it. He's never been on Never will, never will. Not interested in going to premieres. He'll say, oh, he said, I'll come with you if there's a screening of a film. You know, if you can go and see the film. But the, the thought of walking down a red carpet would fill him with such horror. Um, I would. Ne- there's no way, there's no way that he would do it. Not for, not for anything. <laughs> It's funny. I think he's been to about one and he's like, no, it's not for me. <laughs> don't like this. No, thank you. <laughs> And isn't it? A, it's a big anniversary next year. Am I right? Yeah, gosh, it will be, won't it? That's really quite. Gosh, we've been together for so so long. I don't know how he's managed it. I, re- I really, honestly, don't. Yeah, oh, that'll be thirty years. 30 well, what's the years. secret? Um, I think just. I think he's my pal as well as, you know, and I trust him. And again, there's that thing about making him laugh. And we are a partnership and I drive him nuts. I know I drive him nuts, but somehow he puts up with me. And yeah, and and also it is respect. And you know what's really important? He goes to plays golf twice a week and that that gives him, you know, it's good to have time apart. I think it's really important just to give yourself a wee bit of space, no matter how much you love each other. It's, It's really good for you. You know, he toddles off with his pals or... Like, you know, I might go up to Scotland to see my mum or I might go and see my friends or, or whatever. We we have got... And it also, apart from anything else, gives you loads and loads and loads to talk about. You know, if you're together 24-7 all the time, you, you haven't got anything to talk about because you know. No, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just giving each other a wee bit of space is, is good. It is good. And I think that's... Yeah, really you need important. to retain that. Sure. Who you are as an individual. individual absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Lorraine, I, I've loved chatting to you. I've been looking forward to this for some time. Oh, it's been so lovely. Thank, thank you so you. much for coming on. It's a joy. Best of luck with the podcast. As I said, I've listened to the episode yesterday with Tim Peake. It's brilliant. So oh, anyone else who's listening so right much. now, listen to it and subscribe. 
and the best of luck. Thank you. And same to you. A joy. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Someone who's getting married next year. That ending is just <laughs> relationship goals. Oh, you're so funny. Honestly, you're such a romantic. But it was lovely. It was. And it is uh, it's sound advice. You know, you've got to be a partnership. You've got to be good friends. I know. It was brilliant. I think just with Lorraine, it was exactly as I expected in so many ways. She was gracious. She was personable. She's so warm. But there were a lot of things in there that... I wouldn't necessarily have gone, ah, yes, learning to speak Russian. That must be Lorraine Kelly. Oh, what's that? She took a zero gravity flight. Obviously, Lorraine Kelly. A lot of unexpected things. She clearly is, as we know her on screen, but she's also tenacious and ambitious. And actually, the word I pick is pretty daring. I'm not sure I would have done any of those things that she has. There's no doubt she's definitely followed her passions and she's very keen to express those. Do you know the other thing that came to me, Fran, was it applies to both her work, but also her as a person. Just It's just sheer passion. She's a very passionate individual. She loves yeah. her job. Uh, she was expressing a love for Shackleton. And, and obviously she's a bit of a space geek, as we know. Uh, and she just really applied that to every aspect of her life. I mean, yeah, it was really fascinating. And, and the plot twist as well, to be told... You know, we're talking about Lorraine Kelly, who's been on our screens for over 30 years, to be told that you're not going to make it anywhere. Uh, You're not going to make it onto TV and your accent's too thick. I know. What what a way to prove them wrong, eh? Every morning they turn on their TV set and there's the person they told wouldn't make it. I bet you'd be nothing short of eating your words (laughs) at that conversation. But, you know, we'd spoken in the beginning about it being a presenting 101. So, Tom, what's your notes? What have you learnt? So, Fran, I've learned uh, don't script it out too much. I know you were giving me uh, some looks uh, earlier on. Um, <laughs> but I think it's just the basics, isn't it, really? It's what we were told before about, you know, listen to your guests and uh, you know, do, do your research that we do. And clearly, also, I think you've got to have a natural intrigue, haven't you? You've got to really, you know, take mm. an interest in, in, in getting the stories. Yeah. And for someone who's been so successful in doing that and has, you know, had this amazing career in television, Actually, she's so humble with it. You know, she is not someone who's let that go to her head or get herself carried away. And, and you know, she just very much comes across as someone who loves her job, loves her life and is really thankful to be able to do what she loves doing. And is someone who's brilliant at doing it. And yeah, and now she's been able to take it to the podcast space, not just her, but with her daughter, Rosie, her uh, new podcast, What If?, some amazing guests and some really exciting ones coming up. Uh, I'm not going to say too much else. I'm just going to leave it there as a tease. But um, <laughs> there's going to be even more of Lorraine, which is uh, never a bad thing. Never a bad thing. And I think our biggest like takeout of today's interview is just do not underestimate Lorraine Kelly. Like, watch exactly. out. I can see that first commercial flight to the moon. Lorraine Kelly will be there, suitcase in hand, preparing for her trip. Fran, she's steering the ship. Yeah, she's probably the pilot. She's probably the pilot. Sorry. Should have, should have been clearer with that. Well, look, a big thank you to Lorraine Kelly. That was amazing. Presenting 101 at its finest there. And we'll see you guys next week. See you then. Oh, 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 oh.